make contact. The engagement is there. And now you turn the tables. You control the situation. You make them respond and answer to you. You're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. Uh, welcome out to the uh, next episode of the ElfNet Listener Series on the Got Game University podcast. This is Taylor Tibbetts with Got Game Tech, and we have the ElfNet on tonight. How you doing, Paul? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks a lot for having me again. Hey, you bet. And we've also got Travis Lambert joining us tonight as one of our ElkNut app users and ElkNut listeners. Travis, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good tonight. Awesome. Well, thank you both for making some time to talk a little bit about elk hunting tonight. Um, Travis, what, we, what we're hoping to do is just have you talk to us a little bit about your experience elk hunting and your, your hunting background, and then love to dive deeper into this 2019 elk hunting season. Sounds good. So yeah, just let us let us know where you're where you're from and and uh, yep. how you, you know how you got started hunting and then how long you've been elk hunting. Okay, well I'm uh, from West Central Wisconsin and uh, I'm going on 40 years old and I've been hunting since I was 12. Um, elk hunting only since 2017, so I'm really new at this. Um, I drew a tag in Wyoming in 2017 with my dad and we went out there, we each drew um, a tag. We had seven points and that was my first elk hunt. And then my dad had been on a few before that, just over the counter hunts, um, no success with a bull, but so. Yeah. How it, did the, how did the hunt go in 2017? 2017, um, I got lucky. I tagged out on a, a nice first ball, a nice six point. And then my dad wasn't successful, um, but we were really green at it. We didn't do a whole lot of calling at all. Um, we were there early September and we typical Midwestern guys, we did a lot of sit and wait and hope the <laughs> where we were, we were hunting them like we do whitetails. So we would, we were finding water and we were finding wallows and, and finding passes that they were traveling through and, trying to figure out what they were doing and cutting them off. And I got lucky doing it and it, it worked for me, but. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got, you got bit by the elk hunting bug in 2017. Did you do any elk hunting in 2018? No, I didn't. Um, we applied and didn't get anything. And then I was kind of figuring that I was going to try to do an over the counter hunt um, in 2019 here or, um, I was going to try with the Montana general tags with another friend of mine and uh, my dad and I had put in, we always put in for Wyoming and we put in for the same area. It was supposedly going to be a, a six points to draw a tag, but with Wyoming, they've got that random draw too. Right. And uh, we got lucky and the two tags that were in the random drawing went to us. So we drew with one point, we drew... <laughs> for that same area that we had hunted so we thought we were really going to be in for it with, yeah that's pretty cool kind of have an idea of the area so we went, went right back to it right where we were because we had in 2017 we had you know quite a few bull sightings and overall quite a bit of elk in the area but like i said we were pretty green at it and didn't really know much about calling so but you were hunting a lot of open country it sounds like yeah yep it was, uh, you know, the north slopes were, were timber, but mm-hmm. south-facing slope stuff, there was a lot of open meadows, and you could get up and you could glass for quite a ways. So it wasn't, you know, and they weren't coming out a lot in that in that open stuff until, you know, getting close to dark. But we were figuring out where they were and kind of going into that dark timber and stuff and trying to set up on them. Mm-hmm. So going into 2019... I didn't come across that elk nut app until it was getting close to the season. So I was scrambling with trying to get everything figured out with all of your sequences and calling. And I was saving everything to my phone and, and trying to get it figured out and going over it with my dad and explaining to him everything. So he nice. didn't, you know, we had a, a, you know, 15 hour drive out there. So there was a lot of discussion going on and reading through the app and listening to the, 
the calling and I had done a lot of the recording where you can record yourself on it before we went and I work from home office so I spent a lot of time not so much working as I was calling <laughs> to myself into my phone to record the oh, yeah. record myself and listen back on it. So but we went in into the hunt a little more confident this time, you know, thinking that, you know, all those times that we should have been calling and in the time before it, we were going to get them this time because we had, we had quite a few situations where I think if we would have used your techniques in 2017, we would have had a, a lot better turnout <laughs> for my dad at least. So, but. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Go- that's, that's cool. You're able to, able to at least pick up the app and start learning some of the Elk Nut program oh, yeah. in advance of this hunt. How many, yep. uh, how many days were you able to hunt, hunt this year? Like kind of let uh, us know a little bit about your plan, what time of month it was and. We went out just with my work schedule and stuff. We had to hunt early. So we were out there for the opener on the first and we were able to hunt for seven days. So we were out there from the first till the eighth of September. Um, and the week prior to us getting there, we were watching the weather and we know some people in the area out there. Just, we used to deer hunt out there quite a bit. Um, and they were letting us on the weather and, and how it was frosty every morning up in the mountains. And so we were really looking forward to it with it, you know, thinking it was right. going to be some cool weather. And we got out there and it had changed. It was night and day difference. It was so warm. It was in the, up in the mountains. We were at uh, between nine and 10,000 feet is where we were mainly hunting. And it was in the upper 70s every day we were out there. Wow, <laughs> so, pretty warm. yeah, it was crazy warm out there for out there. So, but uh, we packed in and, uh, the time before we had hunted the same area and we had hiked in every day. So it's possible to hike in, but my dad's getting up there in years and wasn't wanting to do it. It's kind of a pretty steep climb and uh, about 1500 feet up to where we started hunting. So he didn't want to do that every morning. So we packed in and camped up towards the top and then started hunting from there. But uh, that first morning we went in in the dark and packed our camp up and set up. And uh, when we got to the top, we started glassing where we had seen them in the past. And there was a herd going over the top of the mountain uh, up back to the north side right at just after first light. And we saw a pretty good bull there. So we figured we were into them already. So we got camp set up and headed over that back side to start calling. And it started out really well. Um, we walked back. Um, the last time we were out there, we had gone back and ran into a couple bulls in this area. So we went right back there and there's a kind of a marshy area on the north side we went over to and there was some fresh wallows there. So we were looking at where we could set up to try to maybe start calling them a little bit. And I heard some brush popping about 200 yards up the mountain. And uh, I told my dad I could hear something up the mountain. I said, it's on like elks. I said, let's get set up. And he had never shot a bull. So... I was basically, I was kind of going to, uh, I was going to be the full-time caller until he got something. So we got him set up by that wallow and I backed off about 50 yards and started doing, you know, trying to scramble in my mind to get Paul's sequences under, under reps. It was happening quick. So I, I thought I'd do, you know, that slow play I was going to do. So I gave him a couple of cow calls and I could hear him popping up there in the brush. And I started raking on a tree and I could hear him start walking. Towards him. So I call called a couple of times again and I started raking and panting and he let out a bugle and he was on his way down the mountain already. Mm-hmm. And he got down to the edge of that marshy area and it was about 60 yards from where my dad was set up and he got down there and it was, it wasn't an open marsh area. There's a lot of pine in it. So you couldn't see across it when you were on one side of it to the other. But he started wallowing, making a new wallow over there. And he was about 60 yards from my dad. And he could see him with just a couple small pines between him and the elk. And he would bugle and I was raking. And every time I would do anything, he would just scream. And my dad said he was over there. He said, flopping around on his back in the wallow and throwing mud all over the place and cool. he just went on and on and I mean for like 15 minutes he did that and I kind of moved around the back side a little more to make it so it's kind of a straight line between 
him and and my dad and kept calling and he wouldn't leave that wallow and I don't know what I could have done different. Paul probably does here, but <laughs> I mean, we called, he bugled. If I was your dad, I would have walked right in on the bull and tried to kill him. Well, and that's what I told him after he got <laughs> That's what. <laughs> I couldn't see him or know what he was doing. And so it was, I bet you, pushing 30 minutes by the t- before he finally walked back up the mountain. And I snuck back over to there, and I asked my dad, I said, well, what happened? He's like, well, he was at like 60 yards. He said, you can see it right there. He said, the wallow is working. He said, and he only felt comfortable shooting 40, 45. And he didn't want to take a shot. And he said there was, you know, some of those pines in between them. I said, well, why didn't you just walk up there when he was, if he was rolling around? And he's like, well, and then he was, I didn't want to mess it up. I'm like, you know how many people around here? And I was like, who cares if you mess it up? But it was a big six point too. It wasn't a little bull either. That's so, a good story though. Yeah. Really and good. So I was like, well, and for the first morning, I mean, that was the first hour we were hunting. We had that happen. So we figured we're really into it now. And uh, we were going to try to follow him up over the mountain and, and circle around and try to call him, but the wind was wrong for us. So we figured, well, we'll leave him and we've got a week to hunt. So, yeah, the only thing I would say is, is you, you only used a couple of the sounds on the slow play, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't actually follow through with it. You know, yep. when that bull was bugling, he, he was but, trying to call that cow. So you needed to take the cow sounds and switch them to where you were trying to call the bull to you, but just making cow sounds, you see, it didn't require an action out of that bull. You definitely needed to go straight to the regathering muse when he started answering you. That's the yep. for, that's the that's the you know the strength yep. slow play isn't just making all the glunking or the panting yeah. and the raking and just standard social sounds. You needed yep. to start communicating with that bull, convincing him you were one of them. And that's when you as soon as he started answering, yeah, that's when you want to hit him with that regathering. You're telling him to come over. You see, yep. and then he'll usually answer it with a short roundup. And of course, the bull then being you, you need to cut him off real low, you know, with that growl through your bugle with your voice. And then you go ahead and go back into your slow play. You be natural with it. And then as soon as you work it up a little bit more, give a few more of those whiny cow sounds, he'll answer again. And when he does, that's when you hit him with the contact buzz. So see, and it's a process. I understand you just started oh, yeah. trying to call yeah. this deer, but that's the avenues you see you seek out is that's the rest of the slow play. And as you convince him, you want him to come to you and you're kind of choosing him since your dad didn't make the move to go toward him. That's yep. one of the ways that you actually make it all come together is you can't just make a few of the sounds and expect the bull to do all the work and read between the lines. You know, it doesn't work like that. You have to convince him or ask him to come over there. But, you know, and and there's nothing saying, oh, he would have come trotting to you. But that is the formula that you want to use, especially if you're hidden and he can't see where the source is coming from. He can only hear it. And this is what usually will promote a closer range as he wants to come closer. But if he could see over there at all where you were, even if he looked through the trees and could get an idea about where you were and saw nothing, he probably wouldn't come. You need to have, I mean, 100% cover or down in a ditch or up on a hill, over a hillside. You need to really make sure if you're going to go through that whole scenario that he cannot absolutely see the source of the call and he can only hear it. They're smart. They're not that dumb. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's, I think, where I was at was just the lack of experience and the I just didn't have enough time with your app and stuff beforehand. You know, like I said, I'd found yeah. it so late that I, and I was, I was, it was a daily, well, it was a every setup kind of thing where uh, when I was calling, I was, I had my phone out and I was reading through the sequences, <laughs> like step-by-step step kind of thing. No, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do next. So you after that, next year, you'll really be ready. <laughs> yep, exactly. And that's what yeah. I told my dad. And, and my dad's like, well, I can't go up there and do that again. He's been having some health issues and stuff. I'm like, well, I'll try to get you a, a little lower one and find you a spot. Well, how, 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 uh, how much cover was there between uh, your dad and the elk? Is there any way your dad could have started, and you know, with the wind, of course, but is there any he way he could have maneuvered his way toward the elk <clears throat> with the elk ever seeing yeah. him? No, he could have got there. There was a couple of those real thick spruce trees in between him and the elk, and it was a, 
a damp marshy area you you could go across it really quiet it wasn't like sloppy well, noise meant, meant nothing he could have made yeah. all the noise in the world that yeah didn't anything. but no he could have yeah he could have got within 20 yards of it without it seeing him if he would have stayed behind the the one spruce tree and so all he I needed to do is get to 30 or 35 that's really oh, all he well, needed yeah. to do oh yeah yeah so and if he would have just... slipped in silence he could have and had you keep him busy especially for that length of time and you yep. know i call that in the app you'll probably see it in there it's called call and stock that yep. means you're in a situation where the caller keeps the bull vocal and if the if the shooter can you know maintain yep. wind direction and cover he just slowly slips in and if he makes a little noise, not a big deal. But the bull's not yeah. paying attention to that anyway. Oh, but, no, like you know, I said, he was rolling around on his back, he said. I mean, he was yeah. blowing, wallowing in there and bugling while he was doing it. He had no clue what was going on around him. <laughs> That's how we all learn, though. You know, yep. you really do. You just learn by some of the mistakes we make and make adjustments later. And no, I mean, all in all, what an encounter and exciting. And it's something that probably built a memory for both of you. Oh, yeah. And to have it be a real nice bull, you know, to start off with, because we were out there for anything, you know, we weren't going to be yeah. fussy with it, you know, it was raghorn or, or bigger, we were going to go for it, so. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, after that, so that later that day, then um, we kind of just hung out on the backside of that mountain, and towards the afternoon, we thought we'd get them, you know, catch one bugling out there, but, man, they just weren't. After that one, there was not until the last day were there. There just wasn't. You didn't hear much. And the elk were there. You yeah. know, we'd see them glassing, and and the sign was there. They just weren't being overly vocal. So we, you know, thought we'd try like some creative cow calling and stuff. Um, so the next morning, we were in a similar area on the same side of that mountain, uh, and we set up. And I thought, well, I told my dad, I said, I'll go sit and I'll call this cow call and we'll sit for a bit and see what happens. So he was, there was a real narrow meadow, probably only 40 or 50 yards wide, but it was three or 400 yards long. And it went up uh, just below the timber on the north side of the mountain where they were bedding. And so we set up there right away in the morning when the thermals were still coming down. And uh, he was on the top side of the meadow set up in the edge of the timber. And then I went across the meadow and, was in the brush and started cow calling and I was breaking branches and making some noise in there and we had been in there probably it was been over a half an hour and I couldn't see him which I learned then was you know couldn't see my dad I learned that I need to be able to see him to see what was going on and his hearing's not the best anyway so I kind of whistled to see if he was ready to go and you know not thinking that I should sit there longer than that which after reading more into your app, I showed up and I didn't hear him. And I just sat there and call, called a little bit again. I whistled and he didn't do nothing. And so I knew if I stood up from where I was, I could see over the rise to where he was sitting. So I stood up and here's a raghorn bull standing right on the edge of the timber on straight across from me, 20 yards from my dad. But it just needed to take one more step for him to get a shot. And as soon as I stood up, it locked its eyes on me, <laughs> and I knew it was done then. So I kind of just sat back down, right back down, and cow called and started breaking some branches and stuff. And it, I couldn't see it after I sat back down, but my dad had said it just walked back into the timber, into the dark timber, and up the mountain. And so I, I didn't know that, and so I kind of crawled back into the brush some more and kept calling while another one came, was coming. And he came walking. I could hear him walking. The other one, I, he was on a trail and I couldn't hear him. I could hear brush popping and another one coming. So I kind of scooted back in the timber even farther and was breaking branches and cow calling. And for probably 30 minutes, he stood just inside that timber where my dad couldn't get a shot and wouldn't come out either. And finally, you know, my dad signaled to me that they had it had just walked off too. It couldn't see the cows, I suppose, and figured he wasn't coming out and across that meadow. So, well, what great feedback. I mean, somebody as new as you, but yet you started implementing some of those tactics and you could see positive results. I mean, right off the bat, it wasn't like you did this 20 times and then, then finally had a positive encounter. I mean, you guys are getting them right out of the shoot, you know. I mean, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. And so that was uh, in the morning and it, the morning seemed best for calling them 
and then the afternoons they just it didn't seem like they were even getting out of their beds until late late it was just so warm and so we were catching them when they were coming back in the mornings so that afternoon um we went up and the previous time we were out there in 2017 there was a pass up right on top of the mountain where they were coming through to feed at night and it's was set up perfect for us midwestern guys because there's a it was about a 15 foot cliff and you could sit right on top of it and the pass was only about 30 yards wide and those elk would walk right through it and so it was just like sitting in a tree stand and so for us it was seventh heaven sitting up there and you could glass you know for miles so in that evening we sat up there and didn't have any luck and didn't hear anything and even glass and didn't see anything uh, and so the next morning we headed back because there was fresh tracks up by that pass so in the morning we headed up there in the dark thinking we'd catch them coming back over and we set up in the pass there and did some cow calling and stuff um, right away in the morning at first light and nothing was we couldn't hear anything and I, I tried some location bugles and nothing um, and I had been set up about 50 yards from my dad where he was set right on the pass kind of and he signaled that we should move and try another spot. And I was talking to him. He's like, I thought I had heard something a couple times just to the north of us. He said, oh, kind of straight at our same level and into the dark timber. He said, but it couldn't have been an elk. He said, I heard it because we had sat there for 45 minutes. He's like, and I just heard a couple of pops. So we were sitting there talking and I was, I had gotten phone signal right there. So I was doing work checking work emails which I probably shouldn't have been doing <laughs> I, I gotta learn to take my vacations when I've got them <laughs> but uh we were standing right on the edge on the back side of that there was a, a bigger sized meadow and we were standing right on the edge of that was where I was got signal and all of a sudden 70 yards down from us this five by five steps out and comes walking right out towards us in the meadow and we were we weren't into the trees. We were just out of them into the meadow. So we weren't in any good cover by any means, but he came walking across that meadow and he was angling right towards us. So I picked up my bow. It was right at my feet. And I told my dad, I said, just range him. I said, and when he gets on the other side of that tree, he should be 60 yards. I said, I'll shoot. And he got just about to that tree where I was going to draw back. And that wind was going down the mountain yet in the morning those thermals and he caught my wind right there and took off and so he had been he must have been what you know we heard popping in there when we were call call and he just never came out yeah and right i suppose he figured after we were quiet for a while i don't know if he figured you know i'll come out and see if there's anything out there that was you know with all that call calling going on but he came walking right into that meadow so that was, I mean, we were, it was every morning we'd, you know, get into bulls. But uh, then it was kind of the same thing. We walked that back side of that mountain, the north side of that mountain, then um, just doing cow calling sequences um, and some advertising sequences with no luck. You know, once it started to warm up, it just seemed like they, they shut down and with us not being, you know, overly knowing what we were doing or you were trying to call them from too great a distance right you, know, you yeah. might have been yeah. might have been they might have been way out there you know and they're, and they're only going to come when there's right. you know a certain distance apart i mean you might have been trying to call them from a quarter mile away i mean unless you knew right where they were yeah no you know, and we did we just thought you know we thought we had a good idea and that was about it but i think you know and we didn't go we could have went farther back in and I don't, we just didn't have, my dad just didn't want well, to. Well, how far do you think they were bedding from you? Well, they were bedding in that area. I think what we were kind of figuring out was there was a bunch of smaller bulls right in that area that were bedding, um, like three or four we had come across right there. And they were in a quarter mile radius area, all of them were bedding in. And they were there almost every day, it seemed like, you know, we'd call in one of them and it it was always a different bull but they were all raghorns and so, so it just seemed like the the north side of that mountain right in that one spot they just it seemed to be quite a few of them right there and then 
what we kind of found out was the bigger ones were higher up and that's where we ran into that one that first morning yeah but the as we as we hunted it got warmer and i think they just kept getting higher and it was just getting to the point where it's too far for us to go i mean well, I, it wasn't I, just I, I that go, you, but... yeah you were pushing them too they knew you yep. were there believe me well, yeah. and, and there the was another you... guy there too well see um, that's what i mean it's not that yeah. it had nothing to do with the weather it was yeah. you guys yeah those elk wanted to be where they wanted to be they were already there when it was warm maybe it got yeah. a little warmer but not enough to make that big of a difference but it was the pressure right. that actually moved them once you boogered a bull and he saw you or the other one came into 20 yards and the other one was in the yeah. wallow believe me they know your presence is there yeah. <clears throat> and oh yeah they'll move right out of there if you went back to where that six point was the next day or two, I'll bet you he wasn't there. He didn't go back into that area. He he moved off. I mean, yeah, you know, no, they quit. They quit using that wallow. Yeah, that was absolutely. When we went there, the that that one that was fresh there. Yep, that's what they'll do. They 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 and especially a lot of times after people get impatient and leave. Oh, I blew him out of there. You know, okay, we'll go find another spot. You would be shocked how many times those bulls let an hour, hour and a half go by, and then they come sneaking into where they heard the calling because yep. they're trying to put. You know, they want to know where this cow is, and what do they do? They pick up the human scent, and boom, immediately it educates them very quickly. And so it's like, oh, we vamos out of there, and they don't come back. So if you can stay away from the area enough to where you're not, you know, intruding in their spot, they will stay in the area. That's why it's so important when you get on elk, you kill them. Really? Yep. Or you run them out to a new zip code because yep. – there's just so much that happens, even the one you were calling. There could have been five or six cows around there and three other raghorns that you didn't even know. And one of those or several of them could have ended up to where your calling was later on that day and smelled you or your dad where they were. All that yeah. takes is a faint odor of it. You know, of something out of the ordinary. You have to understand that that elk don't need to just smell the human odor. That No, not at all. Anything that was in your pack, anything – that is 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 foreign to them that they're used to living in it and 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 being aware of it immediately lets them know that there's a possible threat because it's an unknown odor in the area whether it's your peanut butter sandwich anything yep. seriously and so it's all those little things that can come into play and that's why you know sitting on the outskirts a lot of times is a good thing but when you do get into them you you do try to kill them and i know yep. you guys are trying to kill them i mean don't get me wrong oh, but yeah. when you no, do blow it have the experience. <laughs> it's like okay let's just go somewhere else let's we'll come in from another side we'll we'll find other elk just so you're not spinning your wheels two or three days in a row trying to hunt the same little spot where they were thinking they're going to materialize at any time most of the time they don't yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's, I don't know how many times I, throughout the course of the week, I told my dad, I said, when we'd run into these bulls, I said, if the elk nut was here, we'd have killed that one. <laughs> I said, I just, yeah. I told oh. my dad, sorry, but I just don't know what to do. <laughs> no, you know, not necessarily, you know, it, it's, calling is one thing, but, you know, being in the right situation yeah, and, 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 and knowing why you brought the bull down, you know, that's a, that's a huge thing in your setup, uh, of course is equally as important but playing the bull and playing the emotion of a sound that that's what i would have been working off of the minute he made a sound i wanted to know what, what he was answering you know from what you just told me you were saying originally there in that first bull that the bull wasn't really responding to the cow sound you you said that he was the minute you started raking and doing yep. stuff like that that's what he was sounding off to but did he ever answer directly the cow sounds no, he wasn't. Every time I'd call call, uh -huh. he'd just keep doing what he was doing in the wallow. And then if I'd even just pant, he would bugle. Yeah, that's the time you leave the, the slow play out. You don't use no more cow sounds. You see, and that's why yeah. you don't see me using the slow play the first week of the season. And you probably notice that in the app after uh, time. Yep. I, I rarely ever use it in, in the first seven days. And you know why? Because the bulls don't care about cows. They could care less about them. They're just starting to get into the rut mode. The velvet's coming off. And the cows are kind of on their mind, but nothing extravagant. They could care. That's why you see all the, the satellites still together. That's why you see a herd bull. Maybe one has cows, others don't. You see, they're just starting to get into the swing of things. And cows is really the least 
uh, importance to them. What's important is what the other bulls are that are living in the area because they want to get their pecking order down. So the minute you started working with some of the, the bull sounds or some of the bull uh, you know behavior things such as raking, uh, things like that, me, if I would have been there and I would have uh, I got I noticed that right off, I would have dropped the cow sounds completely. As a matter of fact, I probably wouldn't even started with them because I know that I just they just don't care that early. But the minute he started responding to the bull stuff, that's why I tell people you need to have antlers with you. You know, as soon as you yeah. start raking and, and, and thrash around and panting and you're getting them worked up and you're answering them a little bit. That's when you want to start rack, bringing the, rat, the the antlers together. You see, it just lets him know another bull came in, and now you guys are sparring around. Because what you're trying to do is play on this guy's curiosity. You're not trying to challenge him. You're not trying to run him out of the area. But the point is, is that they're somewhat territorial as they start uh, 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 removing themselves from the bachelor groups. These bulls will start working in area, and to them, it's their spot. Two weeks yeah. from them, if nobody ever bothered them, bothered them, another spot would be their spot. You see, they're not so territorial like a whitetail that they may make that home range there for their whole life and may even die there if it's thick enough and nobody can ever get to them. Bulls aren't like that. Elk aren't that way. Their territory, really their territorial uh, mindset is only when the rut comes in. You see, outside of the rut, Travis, these bulls live together year-round. They're yeah. not territorial. They could care less about it mean nothing to them but the minute the rut comes they will start picking these little areas and they'll start building their harem and as long as they're in this area living in it before they feed it out and then move on to another draw another drainage another mountainside and they will they'll usually stay in an area anywhere from seven to 20 days depending on how big of an area it is and if they're being bothered or not so see that's where they're that's when they're territorial right there outside of the rut not territorial so what you're trying to do is play on their curiosity there. Not answering cow calls, don't make another one. Right. Play on what the excitement is for him, what you're getting him to respond back for. Yeah, and when you start knocking those antlers together, making them think two bulls are there, duking it out as far as sparring, pushing each other, this can create a closer encounter by the bull. You see, you're giving him something that's realistic and could have possibly given your dad a shot if he wasn't going to be you know, brave enough to cut the yeah. distance on his own. <laughs> In time, he will. He'll be, he'll be more comfortable yeah. realizing, hey, I can do this and get away with it, <clears throat> you see. And, 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 and But for the time being, as the caller, you're probably going to have to be the one to call the shots and get creative back there. Yeah, got to get out of that whitetail mindset. All, yeah, you got to leave that behind. <laughs> but it's hard to, you know, when, yeah. when it's raining. It's you, easy to yeah. say it. Yeah done it your whole life and but you did good i mean you guys had encounters yeah I mean, we had you a, know you, you, you started using I mean, sounds that you never did before in the past and so and you saw a yep. positive results so that's something you're going to build on travis and you guys oh, yeah. are going to do very well oh yeah and like like i was saying in, in 2017 the last day we were there i had gotten mine so we were really trying to get my dad one and we were this meadow that the elk would come out in and feed in every night and so we decided to go in where we thought they were bedding in the morning to get in there before them and we were up there and we were just cow calling our way I we that first year we didn't even bugle I mean I didn't even I was so scared to bugle because I didn't know how I thought and we I could there was an elk coming and bugling right above us and he was probably 100 yards coming down towards us and I just kept cow calling away and he bugled his way right across the mountain, right above us, never even stopped to hardly look at us. And my dad said it was just a giant six by six. And I said, you know, if I would have bugled, we said this year, I said, you know, thinking back to 2017, I said, if I would have even let out one bugle when he was walking across there, <laughs> I said, our chances would have been so much better than just sitting there call calling all day. Right. But, no, no doubt about it. What, what time of the month was it then? That was early September, too. Early September? Yep. We'll, we'll have to. But, yeah, we had, I mean, going in towards the end of the week this year, we uh, we thought we were kind of pushing those elk farther up. So we went up one morning, and we were going to go up the night previous when we were glass, and we heard one bugle <laughs> way up the mountain. Mm. So we got in there early, and we were just getting to the point where we were going to start calling. And... Here we see a guy coming 
from oh. it's it was way up towards the wilderness boundary and we can't go up into the wilderness with being non-residents and here we see a guy coming walking down from the wilderness towards us so we waited and and talked to him and it was a local guy and and he, was up, he had missed one a nice one he said up there and he had his recurve and missed the shot at him up there and so he said he had just was coming back out and heading out he said he was done for the day so that afternoon i went up from the other side of the mountain to the top thinking well maybe we had seen him going over there so maybe he didn't blow them all out of there and i was by myself my dad it was that's a hike it's pretty steep country and and up there it was i think ten thousand three hundred feet or something compared to where we were down you know at nine thousand eighty five hundred. All right. And I went up there thinking, well, maybe I'll try my whitetail style. I said they they'd been coming through a pass up there. I said maybe it's a new pass. I can sit in, and sure enough, here's this cliff up there where it's set up just like the other one. I was like, oh, whitetail hunting. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, I get up there, and it was oh, it was probably an hour and a half before dark, so the thermals were still coming up the mountain good. And I, I heard a bugle off the backside down in there. I was thinking, oh, I should, you know, it's pretty thick timber and blowdown. I was like, I should go down there and call, you know, not having a lot of confidence in it. I'm like, well, I just kept debating it. And I kind of started down in there and I got about 50 yards down in there and he bugled again and another one bugled just off from him. They weren't very far apart. And I never went down in that hole I, I should have. And just the lack of confidence. I didn't even, I, you know, I, I set up right up on top there and I bugled a few times and cow called and I ended up sitting up there and finally the, it started cooling off and the thermal switch to going down and I'm like, well, I guess that's kind of probably in my head what I was waiting for. Give me an excuse of why I couldn't go down in there. Yeah. But, you know, that would have been another good setup to try some of these because they were, the closer it got to dark, you know, that was, and that was the last night. So oh. they were just starting to fire off all over down in there. Then once it got close to dark, how far back in were you from your rig? Oh, this was a couple miles back in, um, probably two and a half miles mm-hmm. from from there. But we were camped. We were. It was only probably a mile, if that, from where we had our tent set up. Yeah, and we had a little hole in, on the side of the mountain we were set in. So, but they were—I mean, they were there—and we went back again to where where I was set up, where the raghorns came out, where I stood up and spooked that one. When that guy, that when that we ran into that guy, the trail he was walking out on was the one that went right down in through that valley, through that uh, meadow, that long meadow. It was just a cattle trail. He was walking out, so we're like, well, we'll walk out with you. And as he was walking out, he was moving pretty quick, and my dad told me, no, you're moving faster than I can. He's like, well, good to meet you, and we'll see you. And he walked right down through there, and we were going down through there, and my dad said, we should just try calling here again once, where we called those raghorns in. And it was probably two cow calls, and here's brush popping, and here comes those raghorns walking down that mountainside again. And that guy had just walked right through there, too. And they were just up above on that north side of that mountain. And they came walking down again. But we weren't, you know, we thought we're just kind of joking around, try it. And we call called and could hear them popping brush in there. So we hurried up and got set up. And we were both on the north side of the uh, meadow then, on the upper side of it. And they came in to probably 75, 80 yards in that mm-hmm. timber. And that was it. And I just kept call calling. And then I backed off a little and tried some bugling and grunting and panting. And I, at that point, I was just kind of doing everything and losing, you know, track of what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, I would yeah. get excited and, and kind of forget what to do. And I think I just, just need that experience. And that this year helped a lot, I think. You know, now we had all those situations that we came across and, can run through over and over in our head and say, oh, yeah. here's what we did and here's what we did wrong and here's what we could do to, to better that. So let's keep going over the app. You're gonna see the answers are in there. They really Oh are yeah. Answers. And that's yeah, I mean it I would when I would sit and we do those call calling sequences, I would just sit and 
you know, read that, read through it over and over again as I was, as I was sitting there calling. So it's, I mean, it's there and it's the stuff that's there works. That's for sure. It's oh, just, yeah. you just, you just got to be comfortable and, and use it correctly. And be around just, elk. <laughs> yep. Yep. And we were okay, definitely dude. around elk. I mean, it was every oh, yeah. day, you know, we had a bull, you know, I mean, there is so many other that, you know, that I haven't even talked about that where we ran into bulls that, you know, oh. it's, well, no, we good. were, we were walking in one morning in the dark, um, following a trail back into an area and it was just cracking light, not light enough to shoot yet. And I said, well, I'll just bugle here once and just see if we hear anything. And I bugled and nothing. And we walked probably 30 or 40 yards out into a meadow. We were back in the woods when I bugled. And we came out into the meadow and it was a uh, meadow going with a pretty steep incline and then went over a peak and right down the other side. And we just started walking up that and there was cattle out in the meadow. And so we were walking through these cattle and here comes a bull skylining himself up over the peak of that meadow, a five by five and stopped right there. And it was, I mean, it was still pretty dark, but it was light enough where he could see us because we were walking and we, he saw us before we saw him and took off and blew out of there. I mean, and that was one bugle was all I did. And he was coming. Oh, so, he's, you know, he was at least looking. Oh, yeah. And so talking with you now, you know, it's kind of rings the bell in my head that we should have been doing more, you know, early like that should have been doing more of the bugles and and less of the cow call and all of it. And not right out in the opening. Yeah. <laughs> <You> gotta <laughs> exactly. stay somewhere hidden yeah. in case something pops out or or look yeah. over the direction so they can't yep. see, you know. Oh, yeah. And that's <laughs> where we were, where I was lost. I thought, you know, they aren't going to come in quiet all the time there's no way they're going to come in quiet all the time and that's exactly what <laughs> what they were doing well, especially early season it's yep. very very common oh yeah well, so many more come in silent than ever bugle by a mile yeah yep. and yeah. we we should have known that a little bit that first time in 2017 when we were out there we had that happen a couple times i mean on one great big bull we sat for probably 30 minutes or so call calling by a little water hole and we got up and walked down the, the trail, that the game path that we were kind of following and calling from. And here comes this great big bull. I came over a little rise in the path, and I was eye-to-eye with him at 15 yards, big six-point, and yeah. turned around and took off through the trees. And I was like, you know, if we yeah. would have just sat there another 10 minutes, we probably would have had him. Had an opportunity, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but that, yeah, that coming in quiet just is – that killed us not realizing how they're going to be doing that all the time, especially that early, you know, and I've never, like I said, both times I've elk hunted has been those first two weeks of September. So I need to get out there and experience that a little bit later when, when any time after run. the 10th, you'll get into a lot more bugling. Yep. And if, and I mean, out there, you know, if we can draw in Wyoming and stuff, we've got that figured out, but I definitely need to get around and, Try some of these over-the-counter tags because I don't think I can just sit and not elk hunt now after doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, once you get bit by the elk hunting bug, it's, it's no, it's crazy. I mean, I'll, like I said, I work from home, a home office, and and I've constantly got some sort of elk hunting going on my second computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that was part of the genesis for the Elk Nut app was, you know, my brother-in-law, Ryan, and I out elk hunting and had hunted our whole lives, but never during archery season and never done a lot of calling and had listened to an Elk Nut podcast and started thinking about um, ways that we could get better at calling and, you know, kind of had this idea and it's been fun to see it blossom and, and, you know, it's obviously helped us a ton, but it's helped, it's been fun to see it help hunters like you have more elk encounters and be able to learn right along with us from Paul. <laughs> yep. Oh, and I got one more for you, Paul, that maybe you could help out with. We One morning we woke up from camp, and that night prior, we could hear elk. It was the only night we could hear elk bugling from camp. And they were up in the this meadow that the, the last time we had hunted there, they'd always come into it at night. But uh, 
woke up in the morning and we could hear one bugling going up the boat and up above our camp. So we got rolling and got up. We knew a path to kind of get up there and kind of cut him off to where he was going. And we got up there and I was, it was, this was getting towards the end of the week. So I was thinking I'm going to do more bugling and more raking and stuff because they seemed to be responding to it. And uh, we got up there and he was up on top already. So we didn't get ahead of him. So we were down below and we got to probably within about 150 yards of him. And I started raking the brush and, and panting and he bugled and I cut him off and we kind of did that off and on for 10 minutes. And I had my dad with out in front of me, probably 50, 60 yards. And he wouldn't come towards us at all. And, you know, our thinking was, well, he wants to go to the backside of the mountain. So that's where he's going to go. He's not going to come back. So we just kept following him. He'd go a little bit farther and we'd keep up with him kind of and keep him in that 100 to 150 yard range. And I, we were off the edge of the mountain. So there was, he couldn't see us there, couldn't see anywhere where we were at. It was pretty thick stuff we were in. And I just kept raking and bugling and he'd respond and just constantly. And we probably followed him for 30, 40 minutes, I'll bet you. And uh, he actually went through uh, that pass where my dad had been doing his tree stand hunting. And I had put a trail camera there and we got a picture of him. And he was a decent little five by five. Um, but I don't know if it was just with him being a smaller bull or what I could have done better to try to get him to turn and come back that way. I would have never called it that bull. Okay. Why would I call? He's calling on his own. Yeah, just follow him, <laughs> sneak up on him. Absolutely. And, and what you're going to find out is <clears throat> that bull's finally going to start calling in such a manner. Once he hits where he wants to be, he's going to a destination. Yep. You're going to notice all his bugles even if they're minutes apart, are all coming from the same spot. That's where you kill him. But okay. to try to dog him and call him back where he just came from, you know, it just doesn't work. It's a yeah, very what... rare, rare, it's a rare occurrence when it does. And if it happens in somebody's early hunting career, it could really ruin for the rest of their life. They think that all bulls will end up doing that. But in, yeah. in, in, in uh, retrospect, really, don't call bulls when they're on the move in transition. So I'm going to say that bull, you probably got him somewhere between 8 and 10 in the morning maybe, and he's on the move. Left the feeding area. They'll get to the bedding area usually 9.30, 10.30, you know. It just depends. Yep. Nothing written in stone about it. But you caught him in transition, so he's on the move. And he's probably going to go bed somewhere where there's a lot of other elk because they're herd animals. He's not going to go bed by himself where there's nothing within earshot of him. No way. He is going to be where there's other ones. And he knows where that spot is. And for him to bugle like that, they're just feeling their oats. You know, he's nothing's answering him yeah. from, from your description. He's just calling oh. on his own. So, and a lot of times they'll do that as they try to, you know, attract the opposite sex. They'll just bugle advertisingly, not trying to threaten anything. They're not challenging anything. You just listen to him. And what he's trying to do is draw attention to himself, especially for any cows that may be within hearing distance. That doesn't mean they're going to come running to him. Especially if they, he's not a mature bull, <clears throat> you know, they, they may come and look him over, come his way, then they wander off. It's that kind of thing. It's that stage of the rut. Whereas once the mature bulls get, get you know, are, are in hold of, of all the cow groups, and yeah. there may be who knows how many in an area, depends how many cows there are, how many bulls there are. But that's all he was doing. He wasn't doing anything special. He wasn't really talking to anything, you know, specifically. He was just sending out his bugle as an advertising type of a thing. And so for him to move like that, follow that thing. Don't call to him. Why would you call to him? He's, you know, people think they're just going to turn around and come running to you because yeah. you make an elk sound. The yeah. only way you would try to call that bull back to you is you have to use a roundup. You would have yeah. to use a sound that says, hey, come on over here. And that's what they're doing, but we, we put words to it, but, but that's the, the emotion that a, an elk will put behind a sound when he wants any elk to come his way, whether it's a cow or another bull. The same as if you to asked your wife or girlfriend, come on over here. Do you change anything in the words if you told your dad the same thing? No. You still tell them both, come on over here if you want them to come. Right. So. Don't get so caught up in some of these other – I've seen a lot of different stuff that's online that this sound only means this, and this sound only applies to cows, and this one only applies to bulls, and that's just a pile of crap. It really doesn't – it's yeah. not true. 
it's the same language that we use toward our kids, toward our wife, girlfriend, you know, a mate, a friends. It's the same, and elk are doing the same thing. It's just like a long time ago when I did a podcast, you might have seen it, where I said, do bulls, would bulls use a challenging tone to cows? Right. Absolutely. Of course they will. And guys are like, are you kidding me? Why would they challenge a cow? That's you saying it's a challenge. To an elk, it, he doesn't put words to it. It is, it's his state of emotion for the situation he is in. It, it, again, you're cow calling, and a bull responds with a bugle. Maybe he's just going to give you a bugle like this right here. And he, and he, what he's doing is he's letting you know he hurt you, and he yeah. wants you to come over. Now, after a series of more cow calls and him giving two or three more of those sounds and you're not coming, the distance is staying the same, but he wants you to come. And so he tries to encourage you. So the next thing you know, he raises his emotion because you're not coming and you're not reading it right. You're just saying he's still bugling and you're cow calling. I'm getting him excited. No, he is telling you in a more urgent tone to get over there. You may hear him give a... And he's trying to get more demanding when he throws that little bit of that little growly lip ball in it. And he's telling me, I want you to come over here now. And then he may even do that, and he may end it with a. You see, he may get, get real rapid with his little chuckles as he's getting excited over the situation. Mm -hmm. And he is trying to encourage you to come. But hunters don't read that. They're just saying, oh, he's calling back and forth. I'm calling him. <laughs> and the next, you know, nothing comes of it. You Ew. see? And so if you're trying to call a bull, you can use those same sounds. Just because he was using it because you were a cow, a bull can act, use that same sound to another bull or to the bachelor group where they're inviting more bulls. Two or three is great, four, five, six, seven, it doesn't matter when they're in that state of mind. They'll attract all kinds of different satellites together. You see, you don't see them you know, competing or combating. No, they're all getting along until the rut increases and the cows right. start coming in heat and that pheromone that that chemical that the that the cows will emit when they start coming into estrus starts getting pungent into the air. They now it's a game changer. You see, but the point is, is that when you're talking to a bull, if you're trying to call him, you got to talk to him. Just because you make an elk sound with no meaning behind it, it's like people. If you saw someone in the woods and they went in behind trees 150 yards and you just started talking out loud, are they supposed to come running over to you? Why would they? But what if you said, hey, I'm hurt. I hurt my legs. Anybody out there? You see, now you're, you've got their attention and you're giving them a, 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 an action is required by them. And it's the same as you're using an elk sound when you're communicating with them where you're using a sound that requires an action from them. It's just like when cows try to call other cows to them. You see, or they're trying to crawl, call a group. Maybe a cow came over to a water trough or to a water hole and she's checking it out. Everything's okay. Now she's signaling to the group that it's okay and it's safe to come over, and she'll do this. And she'll signal to him like that, a big, long tone. You see, but do you do it every time you go out there anywhere? No, but this can signal other cows, other bulls, everything, that it's okay and to come on over. You see, and, and she may even do it with a little more emphasis. You'll hear a cow and you can even watch them. I have videos of it. And, and actually, we're going to put one of these on the app in, the, in one of our updates, uh, Taylor. <clears throat> we're going to put this video, and you're going to see this cow. She's going. <coughs> and that's the cow. And you'll watch her make that exact sound. And she's calling this group of elk over that are a distance away after she made it over to the destination area. She's letting them know it's okay to come on over. So, see, these are a lot of the sounds that we try to use every year, Travis, that are, are, are out of the ordinary and what other hunters aren't using. But sounds like that, this is asking elk to come over to you. So when you run into this five point and the six point and they go into the timber, instead of just making your normal, you know, little. Which asks nothing. It's just social talk. It just says there's an elk over there. But when you start playing the game. And you start using the tones that ask for an action or assistance from them. That's when you start communicating and talking with them. And maybe at first you're just going to ask them to come over, but not in an urgent or demanding manner. You see, that's the coast is clear. Everybody come on over. It's fine. But now if you're trying to call a single elk, a lot of times you're just going to go. 
and you're dropping your note. You see, that's a lot different than just giving your little, that's a lot different. And see, this is what it does. But then you can raise your voice. The same as if you would tell your kids, if you have kids, I don't know, to come on over. If they're not doing what you're asking them, a lot of times we get a little bit annoyed by it, a little frustrated. And so we raise our voice. And this is what cows can do too. They raise their voice from that sound and they'll lengthen it out kind of a, Not as long as the first one where she's telling them all to come over. The coast is clear. So see, she's changing the cadence of that cow sound. This is how they send a different message or one with more urgency. You see, and that's what they're doing. So see, when as a hunter, this is why calling is so, it's just so not only important, but productive. When you start using the right sounds and you're communicating with them and you're listening to what they're saying, you're not just trying to go through these ramifications of sounds like you're doing the slow play. You see, I'm doing the slow play, but yet as soon as he answers, now I'm responding and I'm going to talk to him back. I'm not just making an elk sound. You see, and outside of the slow play, when you're in these other encounters, start using sounds where you're trying to request an action out of them. And see, they'll respond back. Maybe they're going to say, no, I want you coming over here. You see, and you can get more urgent with them and demand. And a cow, <coughs> that's demanding she wants him or them to come over to where she is right here. You see, and that's how you're ma- – it's a game changer when you start trying to control the reins of the situation. Don't let them beat you to those types of sounds to where now – it's a screaming match or a talking match and nobody really moves closer to the other. So, so it's kind of a little process of your calling. You make the, you make contact, the engagement is there. And now you turn the tables, you control the situation. You make them respond and answer to you. Don't let them do the, 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 be on the, on, on the offense. You want to get these elk on the defense. That's how they start coming. Oh yeah. This is the trick to it. And once you start understanding that, how you work these sounds and use them against them. And then when it comes to adding bull sounds to it, that's a whole nother thing. But a lot of times those cow sounds are extremely powerful when you're actually communicating or sending a message that requires an action from them. So you, you start seeing how all these sounds work, don't you? Yeah. And that's the thing I think, especially for us new hunters yeah. is knowing you got to practice that stuff before going out there. Yeah, one week and isn't going to cut it. No, it's not. And <laughs> it takes I mean, months the confidence months. is a big thing because there's a lot a lot of situa- times out there this year when I was looking through your app in the field and and seeing what I needed to do and knowing what I needed to do, but I didn't have the confidence to make some of those calls, and especially some of those, those yeah. aggressive call calls. Exactly. And so that's what a lot of these new guys got to realize is that you can't just look at the app and go out in the field and think it's going to work yep. if you don't practice it because it takes a lot of practice, you know, to get this stuff figured out and do it to the point where, you know, you know, that first call call you make, you can do it and do it. So it sounds right and not like, you know, a screeching right. bull or something. And, and that's where I came from. You know, it was like, I, I know I got to do this, but I don't want to do it because I don't want to, Sound absolutely horrible and, and rent them all away. out of the country. <laughs> yep. So that's yeah, what a lot you know, of these that comes with new practice. guys got to figure out. Yep. Well, it does. It's like anything else. You know, once you get that, once you practice enough and you start building your confidence that you know you sound exactly like those real elk on the app. Yep. I mean, you can hear make all these sounds I just made, and yep. you can say, I hear them now. I'm recording. I am right there, and, it, and just keep polishing it up because that's where your confidence will come. And use it in the field. Yeah, yep. don't don't make the field your trial area. Do no, it at home. Do it with your dad. Do it with others. Absolutely. Yep. So now instead of a, a two-week training period, I do year-round practicing so that I can kind of keep myself up on it. And Absolutely. Get more comfortable with, the, with those diaphragms. And so, well, you've already but, seen what, what positive results can happen just from, you know, barely breaking the water right here. I mean, you oh, barely yeah. can touch the surface on stuff. Well, just imagine as you start, you know, uh, communicating with them and build your sound arsenal, bull and cow alike, and when to mingle them together and, and really create 
the illusion in their mindset that you're the real deal and you've, you're, you're performing some sort of sequence that just flat attracts them for the right time of the month. You see, and that's the key behind all this is using these sequences or tactics for the right elk when the rut's starting to pick up. When it's not, I use these instead. You see, so don't just say take something that you think has worked once or twice and try to apply it to every day of the month on every bull or cow because it yeah. ain't going to work. You have yeah. It's just like people, different personalities, different likes, different dislikes. You're going to find different times. You're going to go out there. And you cow call and the bulls won't shut up. You bugle and they won't answer it at all. And then the opposite will be true. All the bull sounds you make, any behavior, interaction, they are just screaming. And every cow sound, not a peep, nothing. And then there's times when both of them are, 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 are as valuable as one another as the rut starts picking up. So you start, you know, you start realizing you drop things and keep things at the same time and, and you know you're 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 evaluating the situation you're seeing what's working and what's not working stick with what's working don't force the cow sounds or the bull sound just because man i'm getting really good at this and i just want him to want it don't do that you, because it's all about the communication even with the bull sounds you will communicate with the bulls with the chuckling or getting louder with your grunts where there's an intimidation or a challenging or stay back and it's the same with your bugle. Your bugle, you can show a lot of emotion or very little emotion. And this is what the bulls are doing. Are they are they just talking normally? Are they raising their voice? Are they yelling? Are they screaming? You see, that's what their mindset is. So by evaluating each sound, no matter what type of elk you're dealing with, that tells you what where they're at in, at, in that situation right there and how to play it. So it's not just about a bunch of bugles and cow calls. Listen to their emotion, and that shows you where you can jump in and try to elevate that emotion. You know, because you want to eventually take control of the situation where it's them responding to you. Right now, it's you responding to them, and I know it is. I can I yep. can tell by your stories. Everything was your actions was on what the elk were doing, what they said. Okay, now I'm going to answer, but. Yep. Yeah, that's what happens, and it's a normal thing. It's a normal process to realize that, that we all start that way, but you will see as the time grows and goes on that once you start taking over the situation and you get them on the defense, you will see your close encounters just multiply. So remember that. Those are very important yeah. things. Oh, yeah, and, and here, in, like I told Taylor, I listened to that first um, podcast you guys did, um, a couple weeks ago like this and just listening to the stories of you know people doing real people doing this and and having you comment on what they could have done differently is a big help because you know a lot of those situations like yeah that's what I would have done and then you come in and say no this is what you should have done and it's like you oh, know just remember I'm, I'm not trying to criticize anybody I'm no, just no. trying to shed some light on you know just so many years of experience and being yep. in so many of those encounters that a lot of times the odds are more in your favor if you try this or this instead of that and because we've all done that haven't we taylor yep. we've all screwed up many many times I mean, oh, we absolutely did. yeah that's, well, yeah i probably learned I, more from my screw-ups than than i do the positive <laughs> part <laughs> yep. that's why i wanted to do this was just so i could give you you know our personal examples and and get your feedback on what you would have done. I, I think, oh, well, no, man, you guys did great. I Anybody can always, exactly you know, adjust and, and do better. <laughs> man, that was awesome. You guys did really, really good. So, yeah, the feedback real yeah, time, well, if you been us, we would have been good to, you know, that would have been nice, but <laughs> this helps. <laughs> yeah, we're working on that version of the app. <laughs> Live feedback. Yeah. Well, oh, I've Travis, had it we... many times. People call right in the middle of an encounter. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Lots of times. Oh, time. my gosh. Well, we appreciate you guys being on tonight. Travis, thanks for being willing to share some details about your hunt. And, yes. Uh, as has been clear through the podcast, we've definitely enjoyed hearing about it and are excited about your elk hunting future. I think there's a lot of good on the horizon. And, oh, yeah. uh, we hope you'll keep in touch with us and let us know how things go next season, too. Yeah, thanks for the feedback and appreciate being able to come on here. And... Oh, no, man, we enjoy having you. I mean, it, it's nice to hear, you know, uh, a, a different voice and, 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 and to see what people go through. Because you have to understand what the hunch that, that you were being entertained with this year and how you handled them and what you had to deal with. 
there's just thousands of people that had the same exact experience as you. And they have even wondered, maybe what could I have done different? Did I do everything perfect and there was really nothing to add? Or was there some way, and people always have those doubts. Like, I know there's something I could have done where maybe the outcome could have been different. And so information like this that you're sharing and, and then we try to, you know, share our input, you know, this is what's going to make us all a better elk hunter. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks, guys. We'll uh, we'll leave it at that. And uh, Thanks again, Travis. And thanks, Paul. It's always fun. And we'll uh, catch you guys later. Thanks to both of you guys. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, Travis. Appreciate it. Have a good night.